The Heresy of Americanism by Father Michael Rodriguez This virtual conference was given to Our Lady of Mount Carmel's Men's Group in Louisiana on August 25, 2022. What are the principal errors of the heresy of Americanism? How is human freedom misunderstood and abused by these heretics? And which popes diligently fought against these condemned errors? What did they teach? In this conference, Father Rodriguez discusses both the maladies and the remedies of a cancer which has infected nearly every facet of our church today. Praise be Jesus and Mary. I'm David Rodriguez, content director for the Fatima Center. And today we have the great pleasure and honor of bringing you a special edition here of a talk that Father Michael Rodriguez is going to have with a men's group down from Louisiana. It's the Our Lady of Mount Carmel men's group. They assist at the largest traditional Latin mass parish down there in the state. And so we're very grateful for them to be hosting this and for Father Rodriguez to be giving us a teaching today on something that is called the heresy of Americanism. If you'd like to read a little bit more about this, get it straight from the Pope himself, then Pope Leo XIII, back in 1899, wrote an encyclical to the American bishops, specifically addressed to James Carnell Gibbons, who was the Archbishop of Baltimore at the time and highest ranking prelate in the United States. The document is called Testem Benevolentiae Nostre, Testimony of Our Benevolence. And in it, he addresses this heresy of Americanism. So that would be one of the primary sources you could read. And I did find it quite interesting that the document was issued on January 22nd, 1899. And of course, as soon as we hear January 22nd in these days, we realize that 74 years to the date is when Roe v. Wade got passed, which is interesting, just that connection, sort of the heresy of Americanism left unchecked, like their history, I think, is showing us by divine providence of God where these kinds of things can lead, these kinds of errors. So many of you, I think, viewers from the Fatima Center know Father Michael Rodriguez. He is a diocesan priest of the Diocese of El Paso. He has been there for over 25 years, ordained in 1996, and he has certainly done much to further uh, traditional Catholic teaching, uh, all the traditions of our faith, um, fought and defended for the Holy Sacrament of Matrimony and family, so under attack today. Uh, certainly is always spreading the message of Our Lady of Fatima and authentic Catholicism, always exhorting us to strive for its holiness. And I guess that's one of the reasons why we love him so much. So without any further ado, I will turn it over to Father Michael Rodriguez so he can speak to us about the heresy of Americanism. Father. I'll go ahead and be begin. I'd just like to thank there the traditional Latin mass men's group there in, uh, I believe, Covington, Louisiana, for the invitation to speak to you on this topic. I'm going to begin this evening with a brief prayer. We will ask the help of the Holy Ghost and also of his spouse, the Blessed Virgin Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Come, Holy Ghost, fill the hearts of thy faithful, and kindle in them the fire of thy love. Sweet Spirit of the Father and the Son, be thou the life of my soul, 
May thy sanctifying grace ever abide in me and increase day by day. Do thou increase within me faith, hope, and charity. O Holy Spirit of truth, enlighten my mind and pour forth into my soul knowledge and love of the truth. Grant me fortitude to live according to the truth, zeal to spread it, and courage to defend it. Do thou pour forth thy grace to enable me to be always and everywhere a docile and obedient member of God's true church and a devoted subject of the sovereign pontiff. Divine spirit of sanctity, source of infinite holiness, do thou take full possession of my whole being and do thou sanctify me by enabling me to conform myself on all occasions and in all things to thy holy will. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus venteris tu Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostre. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So the topic of the talk this evening is on the heresy of Americanism. What I'm going to do to begin the talk is read to you three relatively brief quotes from that encyclical letter by Pope Leo XIII that precisely addressed this issue. As my brother David mentioned in the introduction, this encyclical letter was issued by Pope Leo XIII on January the 22nd, 1899. So this was already nearing the end of his pontificate. He was Pope from 1878 until 1903. So a few brief quotes from the encyclical. I chose these three because I think they're the most, I don't know, I guess the ones that maybe best summarize these errors that let's say could be termed Americanism. There's obviously a lot more in this encyclical. It's actually an apostolic letter. There's actually plenty of different themes and examples in the apostolic letter, but I'm going to focus on, on these three. I'll read to you then uh, directly from that encyclical letter. The Holy Father teaches the following. The underlying principle of these new opinions is that in order to more easily attract those who differ from her, the church should shape her teachings more in accord with the spirit of the age and relax some of her ancient severity and make some concessions to new opinions. Many think that these concessions should be made not only in regard to ways of living, but even in regard to doctrines which belong to the deposit of faith. So that's the first one. Again, Pope Leo XIII here is pointing out that there are these new opinions that are circulating. Most likely, this is a direct reference to, you know, Catholic theologians in the United States and most likely also some of the bishops. So he's saying that there are these new opinions and that one of them is, again, this idea and all of us now, obviously more than a 100 years after this was written, we're 
painfully familiar with this because this really was a very kind of strong current at the time of the Second Vatican Council, which, as many of you know, took place from 1962 to 1965. But this kind of idea of aggiornamento or updating that we need to change the practices of Catholicism and even, I would say, those that are more emboldened in terms of leaning towards heretical, more in the way of heresy, not just, uh, let's say, practical things about our, our Catholicism, but also doctrine. Uh, very important that in this quote that I read to you, Pope Leo XIII, he talks about doctrines that belong to the deposit of faith. So saying that there are even those new opinions that are kind of pushing this, and most certainly this is heretical, the fact that, you know, we need to change and update doctrines that actually belong to our deposit of faith. Those, obviously, if they're part of the deposit of faith, they are unchangeable by their very nature. That's the first thing I want to highlight. A couple of other quotes. The second one from the same letter, uh, Apostolic Letter, Pope Leo XIII. He teaches, quote, In this present manner of which we are speaking, there is even a greater danger and a more manifest opposition to Catholic doctrine and discipline in that opinion of the lovers of novelty, according to which they hold such liberty should be allowed in the church, where each one is allowed to follow out more freely the leading of his own mind and the trend of his own proper activity. They are of opinion that such liberty has its counterpart in the newly given civil freedom, which is now the right and foundation of almost every secular state. And the third quote, these dangers, namely the confounding of license with liberty, the assumed right to hold whatever opinions one pleases upon any subject, and to set them forth in print to the world, have so wrapped minds in darkness that there is now a greater need of the church's teaching office than ever before. So kind of to summarize just these points that Pope Leo XIII is presenting in this apostolic letter, again, the first one, and we can say the first error and slash, let's say, heresy, that the church's practices, and especially here in terms of heresies, and that the church's doctrine, that it's helpful to update them, to change them, to alter them. Again, also using the, the pretext of, let's say, attracting others to the faith. So that's one. And then the, the other two that I mentioned, the idea that one is free to think whatever one wants to think. The words of our Holy Father, again, just to follow one's own mind, and that just as one can do that, I think here in particular is where it comes out in terms of the term Americanism, that just as particularly I think we as Americans, you know, we're our whole culture, our whole way of thinking in terms of as Americans as well, you know, I can hold whatever political views that I like, you know, I can, you know, I have a right to my own opinion and to my own thoughts. So kind of the idea of transferring that to the church, you know, again, to church doctrine and the idea of thinking, well, you know, I can 
think any way that I like about my Catholic religion. And then even the third thing that the Holy Father mentions that I point out to you is even mentioning that, you know, the so-called right to then disseminate my opinion and here, assuming it's a false opinion, an opinion that goes contrary to Catholic Church teaching, well, okay, now I can also put it in print. I can go give talks about this and, you know, thinking that that's um, something that's legitimate. I think today, as we look at really a growing, massive, massive crisis in the Catholic Church, I mean, you see how far this has gone. I mean, in terms of heresies being spread, where we have so many within the Catholic Church in positions of, of authority. You know, we have so many bishops today, bishops in the United States, obviously also theologians, that are actually even using their positions, you know, their positions of authority and the name of, of Catholicism. I mean, again, teaching these things in the name of the Catholic Church that in many ways I would say are their own opinions or modern opinions, not faithful to the deposit of the faith, not faithful to Catholic Church teaching, and yet they're disseminating that and writing books and, you know, many of them even say making money off of, off of this. There, just to give you a quick summary of one of the ways that one commentator on this apostolic letter, Testem Benevolencia Nostre by Pope Leo XIII, just a brief description that he gave of it is the following. He said, Pope Leo feared that some American Catholic intellectuals, including a number of bishops, we're looking to adapt the church according to the American cultural and political experience of democracy and individualism. So one of the ways to understand, I think, this heresy of Americanism is just in a, in a kind of in a simple way, kind of where you would give priority in terms of your way of thinking uh, and even, you know, your way of acting and even in some ways where your loyalty lies, where your priority is not so much Christ and our Catholic religion, but the fact that one is an American. And so that one allows, let's just say, the American political way of thinking and acting, cultural way of thinking and acting, emphasis on individualism and on one's, again, so-called freedom, kind of where one gives the greatest importance to that and then kind of seeks to shape one's Catholicism or adapts one's Catholicism to that, as opposed to vice versa, where it is our Catholic religion, namely the truth, that has to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. I mean, that is what has to purify and convert all other aspects of our existence, whether it's our nationality or, or whatever it may be, our, you know, historical, you know, the history of our nation or the history of our people or the history of our race and, and philosophies, political views, et cetera, et cetera. So I do think that that's a really important point to make because I, I think it's something, again, here that is very much kind of a, a, a general we might say kind of point about the heresy of Americanism where you're giving priority to your American, let's just say your Americanism, the fact that you're an American and what that means culturally and politically, rather than to your Catholic faith. The way that I would describe it though, and I kind of, I mean, here I've taken a little bit of liberty because in this talk, what I want to do for all of you, and again, you know, this is specifically directed there to all of you that are the men's group there in Louisiana, is 
really try to make it really relevant to you personally so that hopefully you'll really feel challenged to respond to this by you really making an effort to say, I'm really going to do the best that I can to grow in holiness, to grow in the specifically the virtue of self-denial, to deny myself, to really follow Christ and deny myself and not not allow the focus to be on me, but on Christ. I want to also especially grow in humility. I mean, I'm not the center of the world and neither am I the center even of my family. I'm the head of my family. And again, I'm talking here to the men, you know, I'm the head of my family, but ultimately the true head and the true center of my family is our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I always have to adapt myself to him. I also have to do the very best that I can to follow him, to imitate him. So given this, the way that I would describe the heresy, and again, I'm saying I'm taking a little bit of liberty here. There isn't, I don't think we can give a kind of definitive, definitive definition to this heresy of Americanism because the Holy Father didn't even really do that in his in this apostolic letter. He didn't, he, he in the apostolic letter didn't use the term Americanism. I don't think he did. I hope I'm not uh, uh, incorrect on that. But he did, again, present these different opinions, these different views, uh, obviously some of them heretical that, that were circulating there. So anyway, my description of the heresy would be as follows. I would say that it's a heresy where it has to do with the sovereignty of the individual. So that the individual is sovereign, is again the center. To put it very simply, like is number one. Um, like I'm number one, everything else comes next. So the sovereignty of the individual, which means the sovereignty, and again that what comes first is my reason, my intellect. If I understand something, okay, then I can accept it. But if it doesn't accord with my reason and my way of thinking, well, then I reject it. And I'm right, because what is sovereign is my reason. So my reason, my feelings, emphasis on my feelings, this just so that later on, again, our direct audience right now are the men, but later on, if there are any women that also listen to this stuff, they won't think that it doesn't apply to them, but... If you think that what's most important are your feelings, my feelings are what are most important. Again, that's what I'm, I'm kind of describing this heresy. So the sovereignty of my reason, my feelings, my rights, the most important thing are my rights. I'm not thinking first and foremost of my love for God or my duty to God or my responsibility before God, but I'm thinking of my rights, my freedom. Here I want to, put heavy emphasis on my freedom because I think this really kind of ties into Americanism. Uh, I think how we are just our, our, our culture, I would just say as Americans. So my freedom. And then what follows from this is also the collective. When, when we talk about the individuals now coming together, the collective sovereignty of individuals, what I would call modern democracy. Basically what we as Americans, you know, our political system where we say, okay, if the individual is sovereign, then when we come together as a society, then what is sovereign is the majority. You know, whatever the majority of individuals agree upon, then that is gonna be the law. Everybody else has to accept it. And like, this is the right way. 
And again, be really careful on these things because all of this is heretical. I mean, it goes completely contrary to our Catholic religion. I mean, our Catholic religion never teaches us that the truth is dependent on the collective opinion or the collective majority opinion of the faithful. So the collective sovereignty of individuals, again, what I would say, modern democracy. But here, I want you to think about this. This I kind of, I don't know how much time I'll have to say about this, but I definitely kind of put this out so you can think about this in terms of what's happening in the church today. Because this heresy of Americanism, as I see it, is definitely infiltrated into the Catholic Church and is very strong right now in our church. And it's the main reason. And here I'll say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something about this in a few moments, because really, I would also say that this whole thing about Americanism, it really is the heresy of modernism. And many of you have heard about the heresy of modernism. It's pretty much, I'd say, kind of like the same thing. It's not really, when all is said and done, it's not something that's particular to the United States. I mean, it's something that really, historically, really began in a big way with the Protestant Revolution. So we're talking about the 16th century, and then especially like the Enlightenment, and then the French Revolution and American Revolution. So, I mean, obviously there, you know, you do have, here's where the America also comes in in terms of the setting up of our own country and our own, you might say, philosophy of life, political philosophy, culture, what our values are, again, strictly speaking, as let's say secular Americans, again, my freedom, my rights, hopefully that rings a bell. But anyway, I want you to think about this, that this whole idea of when we come together like as a group, like the collection of individuals, that then that is what becomes sovereign, just think about this in terms of what's happened to our Catholic religion in the last 50 plus years since the Second Vatican Council. Because basically I would say it's that. Put bluntly, it's, it's, it's a heresy. It's thinking that our collective, let's say, ecclesial, I'll use the term ecclesial, like church, like our collective ecclesial experience is like what's most important and it's sovereign and everything else that has occurred over the course of 2,000 years or 1,000 years or 10,000 years, it doesn't really matter, but it has to be adapted to our collective experience because that is what is sovereign. That is what counts, again, the books. It's not so much one individual saying, my reason, my feelings, my experience of religion, but we're putting together, let's say, you know, many. And here too, I mean, I think we also have to be careful because strictly talking about, if we're strictly talking about the Second Vatican Council, that obviously was not something that was like, let's say, a majority of the faithful. You know, that was um, more like a small minority of a lot of theologians and then even also, you know, let's say some bishops. But anyway, the point being is I wanted to present this to you just because today this is really widespread in the Catholic Church, kind of thinking that our experience and like our feelings, our way of thinking, our reason trumps everything else that, you know, doesn't matter what happened, what came before in our, in our Catholic faith, but that this is what comes first and how this specifically was applied to Catholic worship and the whole controversy that we still have today about, you know, doing our very best to restore 
a true Catholic worship, restoring the traditional Latin mass. I mean, um, I'd like to encourage all of you specifically uh, because, you know, that's like your men's group, you know, traditional Latin mass men's group to um, most definitely, you know, pray every day for the fortitude uh, from God and from the Holy Ghost, the, the help of St. Joseph, the help of our Blessed Mother. Obviously, you can also use the her specific title of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. But that you do your best to remain faithful and to fight for the traditional Latin Mass no matter what. Because what has happened in the church, and again, this with the in the aftermath of the Second Vatican Council, is basically uh, the underlying idea, and it's heretical. It's lining up here with what I'm, what how I'm describing Americanism. Basically, the underlying idea being perennial Catholic worship. You know, the worship that has been the worship of the Catholic Church for basically 2,000 years. Perennial Catholic worship needs to be adapted. Again, think of the very first quote that I read to you from Pope Leo, the 13th Apostolic Letter, that the Catholic worship needs to be adapted to our times here, not so much maybe my times, but to our times, to our way of thinking, and to our sensibilities. Just a quick word on my freedom. It's one way that I would also kind of summarize, if, if I just could use, let's say, two words on the heresy of Americanism. I would say, okay, like the greatest emphasis is placed on my freedom. And obviously we have to define terms because the problem with this heresy is that it's not really the proper use of our human liberty, but it basically in terms of like, if we're going to use the term the heresy of Americanism and linking it to my freedom, well, what it really then means is it means the abuse of man's liberty. Pope Leo Thirteenth also wrote another, he wrote an encyclical letter precisely on this. I don't know how much time I'll have to get into it, because these heresies, again, they're not just popping up out of nowhere. They're very much rooted in our modern times. That's why all this is connected with modernism. It's uh, an encyclical letter on the nature of human liberty. The date on that is June the 20th, 1888. So again, let's say, you know, 11 years or so, 10 and a half years prior to this apostolic letter that I've already referred to. And that encyclical letter is called Libertas Prestantissimum. And again, on the nature of human liberty. And there, Pope Leo XIII is going at length to describe of what the true exercise of uh, human liberty is, according to Catholic Church teaching, and then also pointing out the great dangers that are being seen everywhere, especially in modern secular societies, of the grave abuse of that liberty. And to put it just really, really simply, we could say that the grave abuse of, of human freedom, of human liberty, is when you use your liberty or when you use your free will to go against God. So to disobey God or to defy God, to go against God's commandments, to go against Catholic Church teachings. And then you kind of justify that by claiming that, well, you know, I'm free to believe whatever I want to believe. Serious abuse of human liberty and human freedom here, maybe using the terms interchangeably freedom and, and liberty. But I definitely think that this is uh, something that's very much at the center of this heresy of Americanism. Uh, again, this centering everything on the individual instead of on God. And consequently, then also like a, a special focus on man's freedom, thinking that 
individual freedom is like the greatest good and setting aside God's commandments, God's law, God's majesty. I mean, the fact that he is our Lord, God and King, we are ultimately what we're to do is we're to use our, our free will to adore him and to turn over our will to him so that his will may be done in us. That's really what we should be striving for. But just really quickly, I want to mention this to you in terms of the heresy of Americanism. Like I said just a few moments ago, really, it's really not that different from the heresy of modernism. And that's why also you have dates that are very close to each other. It's not a coincidence that Pope Leo XIII, he's writing this apostolic letter that we're referring to. He's writing this almost at the end of his pontificate in 1899. Well, you have then Pope St. Pius X, who was his successor, who became Pope in 1903. You know, Pope Pius X, he's issuing these encyclical letters that are condemning the heresy of modernism. Pretty much you could say at the same time. I mean, already in a way, beginning with his inaugural encyclical letter in 1903, this is Pope St. Pius X. So again, four years after Testem Benovolencia Nostra by Pope Leo XIII. So in 1903, already in his inaugural letter, he definitely is already zeroing in on the same heresies. And then most definitely in 1907 with this famous letter, uh, encyclical letter against the errors of, against the heresy of modernism, Pashendi, that's again 1907. And then also, just so you'll know, a very interesting and well worth reading encyclical letter by Pope St. Pius X. Again, my brother was talking about dates, you know, the date of the encyclical letter, Testem Benevolencia Nostre, Jan 22. Well, interestingly enough, this other encyclical letter by Pope St. Pius X from 1910, 1910, but August 25th. So um, appropriate that today we're talking about it because today is also August 25th. So August 25th, 1910, the encyclical letter by Pope Pius X, Notre Charge Apostolique, which was issued to the bishops of France. And in so many ways, I would say it's kind of like it certainly is a little bit different, but in many ways, if you're kind of looking at the underlying principles, I would say it's pretty much like the same thing that Pope Leo XIII is issuing to the U.S. bishops through Cardinal Gibbons, as David also mentioned in the introduction. Basically, let's say for the U.S. bishops, here, Pope St. Pius X to the French bishops on basically the same heresy, modernism. So just very quickly... I would say that one way to describe modernism is to say that it's three primary tenets. And again, this is heretical. Number one, that man's subjective experience is the foundation of religion and really also the foundation of truth. Like that this is what's most important. You know, man's personal experience. This is why, and I mean, it's, it's not unrelated. This is why a lot of times today in the mainstream church, in the mainstream Catholic church, what I call Novus Ordo world, definitely I urge you, avoid the Novus Ordo world and do your best to work for its conversion. And obviously always uh, continue to pray for its conversion. But anyway, what's very common in, in our mainstream church, and again, it's not unrelated to this, is just this idea of, again, my experience. You know, this has been my experience of God. This is what I experienced, man's subjective experience, is that that's what's most important in our religion. Obviously, the opposite is true in terms of Catholic Church teaching. The foundation of our Catholic religion is basically what we call divine revelation. It's the fact that God has revealed the truth. And again, not a man, but God. 
God himself has revealed the truth to us. The truth comes to us from on high. This is also the foundation of our Catholic religion. Our Catholic religion is the one true religion and we can place absolute and we must place absolute confidence in this because it's a religion that comes to us from God. It's founded by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They are his teachings. He is the one who speaks and teaches through his church. And obviously our Savior, Jesus Christ, cannot deceive us. This is something that sometimes I try to, I mean, it's, it's, it has a lot of really practical applications, you know, because sometimes when people get frustrated because of their experiences, and these can be, you know, they run the gamut. You could experience, let's say, being mistreated by a priest, or let's say the priest didn't do what you wanted him to do. Again, falling into the trap of my reason, my feelings, my thinking of how Catholicism is to be. So let's say I get upset at a priest, or even you know, rightfully so, like I, I get scandalized by, let's just say, you know, sexual scandals, let's say within the Catholic Church, and within, let's say, the clergy, within the hierarchy. Or even today, a lot of Catholics getting really frustrated with the present state of the hierarchy in the Catholic Church, and I can certainly sympathize with that. I mean, I would say if you're not frustrated and saddened and really appalled at what is going on today in the Catholic Church, uh, the Episcopacy, and most definitely there in Rome, I mean, with, um, I'll just say for now, Jorge Bergoglio, Francis, I mean, if you're not appalled, I mean, totally appalled at what's taking place, and I would say, sadly, you've lost the Catholic faith already. My point, though, is that all of these experiences, even though they may really kind of weigh us down and sometimes may even cause us to question, you know, should I continue to be Catholic? Should I put faith in, like, the hierarchy of the church? You have to overcome those temptations because... When all is said and done, it doesn't matter what I see or what I experience in 10 years of my life or in 20 years of my life as a Catholic, that doesn't change the truth of the Catholic religion. Because the Catholic religion is true not based on human experiences or subjective human experiences, but on the fact that this is the religion that has been revealed by God. And, and again, if you really start you know, considering a little bit more in depth what's taking place, you're going to see that all of these failings and all of the, let's say, the bad that we see, let's say, within the church, it's because individuals are not being faithful to true Catholic teaching. And they're kind of inventing their own religion. Again, they're putting in their own own ideas, own opinions, own views. And I just think it's, it's something that really also calls for our reflection, this idea of how our experience is not the most important thing. I mean, sometimes I'll even tell the faithful, you know, when they're really struggling with a very real experience of, let's say, like a terminal illness, or even right now, I mean, with all this, with all everything that's gone on with the scamdemic, and I emphasize scamdemic, with everything that's gone on with the scamdemic, you know, loved ones that maybe, let's say, have died or are coming up with all these new diseases that they didn't have before, you know, whether it's heart problems or cancers or whatever else it may be. But, I mean, even if you're facing, like, let's say, really difficult personal tragedies, a lot of times what happens is the individual is tempted to, like, let's say, lose faith in God and to say, God, you know, I'm trying to be a good Catholic. Why do you allow, why did you allow this to happen to my spouse? Or why do you allow this to happen to my, to my child? Or why are you allowing this to happen to my parish? You know, especially in the last year with, uh, with the, definitely the diabolical work of Tradiciones Custodias. Hopefully everybody knows what I'm talking about there. Basically, it's Francis's attempt to eliminate the traditional Latin Mass from the Catholic Church. I mean, this is, if ever there was something that is blasphemous and heretical and completely 
like a total betrayal of Jesus Christ in the church. There you have it. These, these, these are the times that we're living in it. So, I mean, I think even Catholics that are legitimately, like, let's say, really saddened by, let's say they were able to go to the Latin Mass a year ago, and now because the, the Latin Mass where they were going to has been canceled. You know, like, let's say they're really saddened and frustrated and, and kind of like questioning God. Like, how, God, how could you allow this? You know, something so good and so precious, and now I don't have the access that I had to it previously. Whatever we're experiencing, again, this is why I'm saying that, you know, reflect on this and think about the applications. Whatever you're experiencing, I would say, look, that's not the foundation of our religion. And I can't get saddened and lose zeal in my religion or lose hope in God or start despairing and not pray my rosary. No, again, these experiences, however real they are, they're ultimately not the foundation of our religion. It's what God has revealed. And we can also say the love of our Savior, Jesus Christ, that he has revealed specifically in his passion and death. And that's never going to change. And that's what's most powerful. Um, so that's one of the tenets of, of modernism. Man's subjective experience is the foundation of religion, the foundation of truth. Two, the evolution of dogma, that dogma can change and the dogma does change. And again, notice how at the root of all of these is, again, the individual, which is why I'm kind of telling you this heresy of Americanism is the heresy of modernism. How is church dogma evolving? Well, it's evolving, you know, not into something that I don't like, but into something that I like, something that is pleasing to me or to the particular community or to the times. So the center is still, it's not so much on what God has revealed, on the truths that God has revealed, but on man's perspective and man's reason, man's view, man's feelings, man's sentiments. And third, the denial of the supernatural. In the denial of the supernatural, again, that's very much centered on the individual and on the individual's reasons, because when you're talking about the supernatural, well, that goes beyond my reason. And definitely the supernatural is always going to be a call for you to grow in your faith, because it's something that is literally, again, above nature, beyond nature, beyond your reason, above your reason. It's not something that you're going to be able to necessarily grasp or always understand. And so what modernism does is it denies that or minimizes it, sets it aside, because it's not something that is so palatable to modern man. And to, again, my my view, my reason, you know, my way of thinking. Let me quickly, I wanted to give you a few more of these examples, but I don't know that I'm going to have, I don't have much time. So I'm just going to, what I'm going to do is this. I just want to read to you a brief quote from the inaugural encyclical of Pope St. Pius X. I referenced it just a little while ago. The date on it is October 4th, 1903. So this is his first encyclical letter. And again, it's written shortly after the apostolic letter that we've been referring to by Pope Leo XIII. And this is what Pope St. Pius X writes. Notice how what he's writing is very close to the heresies that Pope Leo XIII is pointing out four years prior, specifically to the U.S. bishops. So this is what Pope St. Pius X is writing, and obviously he's writing this for the Universal Church. You know, this is his first encyclical. He writes the following. We were terrified beyond all else by the disastrous state of human society today. For who can fail to see that society is at the present time, more than in any past age, suffering from a terrible and deep-rooted malady, which developing every day 
and eating into its inmost being is dragging it to destruction. You understand, venerable brethren, what this disease is. Apostasy from God. We find extinguished among the majority of men all respect for the eternal God and no regard paid in the manifestations of public and private life to the supreme will. Nay, every effort and every artifice is used to destroy utterly the memory and the knowledge of God. This, according to the same apostle, that is St. Paul, is the distinguishing mark of Antichrist. Man has with infinite temerity, and again, temerity meaning reckless or heedless disregard of danger. Man has with infinite temerity put himself in the place of God. He has contemned, meaning despised, God's majesty. And as it were, made of the universe a temple wherein he himself is to be adored. And he quotes 2 Thessalonians 2, 2. He sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself as if he were God. And then Pope Pius, Pope St. Pius X, a little bit later that encyclical, he writes this phrase, man abusing his liberty can violate the right and the majesty of the creator of the universe. And that's what I want you to remember. Uh, I certainly want you to remember that because I would say that this, I think, is an excellent summary of the heresy of Americanism. And again, also what we're suffering so much from in society today, human society, specifically also our own country, but in human society the world over and also within the Catholic Church. Within the Catholic Church, we most definitely have abused the freedom that God has given us, and we've abused it because we've given more importance to our own experiences, whether it's an individual or collective, well, I would say kind of our own collective experience, like let's say in the post Vatican II period, let's just say. But man abusing his liberty and by doing so has violated the right and the majesty of the creator of the universe. I want to just kind of wrap things up here. Hopefully I've at least said enough about the what I was hoping to have a little bit of time to do is kind of apply all of this to just mainstream American and even American Catholic political views, which I think are really important that we get them purified because, again, the foundation has to be our Catholic religion and Christ and not like the American experiment on politics. The very quick kind of summary of this is just that we have to recognize, it's very important that we recognize that the kind of American idea of the separation of church and state, the idea that the state cannot like endorse any particular religion, that the state is free from its own duties and responsibilities to God and to the natural law and to God's law and to God's commandments. Um, the idea that uh, say state or that like civil institutions, that they don't have to worship the one true God, again, that they don't have to obey the law of God, that they can come up with laws that are even gross violations of God's law and natural law, i.e., as example, abortion, 
the unnatural vice of homosexual activity. The idea that a Supreme Court, you know, has the authority to redefine marriage in a way that goes completely contrary to the Supreme Creator, to God, to God's commandments and the teachings of the Catholic Church. I mean, these things are crazy. I mean, anyone who thinks that the Supreme Court in the United States has that authority, I would say, well, you certainly are not basing yourself on Catholic Church teaching, and you're certainly not basing yourself on who is the supreme creator and ruler of the world, namely God. So I wanted to make a lot of, I mean, I was hoping to make a, a little bit more applications here in this regard, but I'll pass on that. Maybe if you have questions, maybe I can elaborate a little bit more on that if somebody wants to ask about that. But I just want to very quickly give you what I would call a proposed remedy on what you might be able to do to fight against this heresy of Americanism, this heresy of modernism, which again, in a lot of ways, to put it in a real simple way, I would say what you've got to do is you have to fight against pride. You have to fight against an over-reliance or an overconfidence, or even just confidence in your own views, your own way of thinking, your own feelings, your own freedom. I mean, your personal freedom is not what's most important. What's most important basically is following Christ. I mean, loving Christ, following his example, taking up your cross, denying yourself, taking up your cross and following his example. Look at everything that our Lord suffered. Look at the humility of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then obviously we beg him to come into our hearts that he may reign in our hearts that his will may be our will. That's the proper exercise of my freedom. God has given me my freedom so that I can, so that I can choose, not because I'm forced to, but so that I can freely choose. I love God. I believe in God. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to honor God. I'm going to do his will. I'm going to seek his glory and his honor. Obviously, you know, nobody has the authority to go against God, to defy God. And yet that's what's happening in modern times. That's why I read to you that just to be a little bit from that inaugural encyclical from Pope St. Pius X, because this is also leading to the destruction of civil society. You know, we set aside God's commandments and God's law. The abuse of man's liberty is going to lead also to the downfall of civilization and the downfall of our human society. So just in a few minutes here, I'll give you a proposed remedy. What can you do? I want to remind you of one of the beautiful and simple prayers that was given to us by Our Lady at Fatima. And this through the angel, when he appeared in the spring of 19, basically the year before Our Lady appeared at Fatima in 1917, the prayer, my God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love thee. I ask pardon of thee for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, do not love thee. You know, pray this prayer and pray it with great faith, special emphasis on I adore thee. I adore God, meaning God is my Lord. He is the ruler. His law is what comes first. Everything else has to be in accord with his law. Anybody who's exercising power, exercises power because it comes from God and they have to respect God's law. Whether it's a king, whether it's a senate, whether it's the Supreme Court, the first thing is, it's not, we don't have the authority to be inventing, like let's say the moral law and you know, redefining what marriage is. I adore God. I mean, this is specifically what it means when you're saying, I adore God. You know, I bow down before God and I recognize that, that he is my Lord and my God. So a lot of emphasis there on I adore in terms of that prayer. 
part of the remedy, and this is straight coming to us from the message of Our Lady of Fatima, is devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Obviously, one of the ways that you can practice that devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary is through the first five Saturdays. This year, the Fatima Centers put out a series of videos on precisely on that. Because just think about how the Immaculate Heart of Mary fulfills this perfectly. Just think, place these words of the angel of Fatima on the lips of our Blessed Mother. This prayer is a perfect expression of her Immaculate Heart. My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love thee. I ask pardon of thee for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love thee. And then also, as a proposed remedy, really remember the admonition, the really the law that our Lord gives to his disciples. And this very famously, after St. Peter professes true faith in our Savior Jesus Christ, Jesus says to the disciples in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If we are to be disciples of Jesus, be united to him and love him, we must follow in his footsteps. Adapt our thought to his thought, our heart to his heart, our whole life to his life. Notice how all the heresies of the individualism and the very, the very first quote I read you from Pope Leo Thirteenth. it's the other way around trying to adapt Catholic doctrine and Catholic practice to oneself. And yet what we must do as faithful Catholics is adapt our thought to Christ's thought, our heart to his heart, our whole life to his life. And this involves profound renouncement of self. And so the proposed remedy is you have to really do your very best to practice self-denial. Prayer, fasting, any way that you're able to practice self-denial is going to work towards remedying this heresy of the primacy being given to me, uh, my thoughts, my freedom, my wishes, my way of thinking. Our self-denial is called humility when it is opposed to pride. It is called disinterestedness when it is opposed to egoism. And it is called Christian mortification when it curbs our excessive desire for pleasure. Finally, don't forget the litany of humility. Many of you have the 1962 Roman Catholic Daily Missal that's put out by Angelus Press. That litany of humility is on page 1828. I strongly encourage you to pray that litany with great devotion and faith. I'll close with a prayer. My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love thee. I ask pardon of thee for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love thee. Act of faith. I believe in one God. I believe that God rewards the good and punishes the wicked. I believe that in God there are three divine persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. I believe that God the Son became man without ceasing to be God. I believe that he is my Lord and Savior, the Redeemer of mankind, that he died on the cross for the salvation of all men, that he died also for me. I believe on God's authority, everything that he has taught and revealed. Oh my God, give me strong faith. Oh my God, help me to believe with lively faith. 
O my God, who art all good and all merciful, I sincerely hope to be saved. Help me to do all that is necessary for my salvation. I have committed many sins in my life, but now I turn away from them and hate them. I am sorry, truly sorry for all of them, because I have offended thee, my God, who art all good, all perfect, all holy, all just, all merciful and kind, and who died on the cross for me. I love thee, O oh my God, with all my heart. Please forgive me for having offended thee. I promise, O oh God, that with thy help I will never offend thee again. My God, have mercy on me. Amen. Pray for us. Pray for us. Well, thank you very much for that presentation, Father Rodriguez. That was certainly very informative. In a moment, as you mentioned, we'll be opening that up to take questions from our audience. But I certainly want to also let our listeners, our viewers know that they may also send in their questions, send those in to the Fatima Center, especially if they deal with this topic of the heresy of Americanism. But certainly you can ask Father Rodriguez any other questions. Those might form a basis for future Ask Father shows, which usually come out once a week on Mondays with uh, various different priests tackling the questions that the Fatima Center receives. So we thank all the priests that help us with that effort. Please do consider a donation. The Fatima Center is, of course, a nonprofit apostolate. We do rely on your generosity, your prayers, your ongoing support and prayers to continue this apostolate so that we can make Our Lady's message known, loved, and obeyed by all souls throughout the world. It's the only solution for our times. It is the message. It is the event of the 21st and 20th century. So we, we've got to really do a lot to continue spreading it and living the message. As we've said, the RC Roman Catholic, RCSOS, Roman Catholic SOS, to pray your rosary every day, to consecrate yourself to Our Lady and pray for the consecration of Russia as Our Lady requested. The S is to wear your brown scapular. Of course, do everything that goes with that. The O is to offer. Offer your prayers, offer your penances, offer reparation to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And of course, the last S is the first Saturday. Do the first Saturday devotion every month. Uh, we have recently just come out with a new booklet. It's already uh, in many people's mailboxes, The Magnificent Promise of the First Saturday. So that sort of dovetails on top of some of the videos that Father Rodriguez and I did earlier this year explaining the First Saturday devotion. Please do get this booklet, read it, share it with others. Uh, it's, it's a very important booklet because by doing the First Saturday, we're going to get the many graces that we need. For example, for the Pope and the bishops to consecrate Russia uh, for a lot of graces in our lives. So the First Saturday is extremely important and many Catholics still don't understand it. A little later on this year, we're also going to be reproducing uh, Father Gruner's method, uh, sort of like an aid for meditation to help you meditate through the 15 mysteries. You can do one each first Saturday. That's part of the first Saturday devotion, the meditation on a mystery of the rosary, in addition to praying the rosary. And uh, we're also coming out very soon with our calendar, 2023. So please do order your copies of those. It's a very helpful calendar that's got a lot of information in it. Saints of the day that you can pray to, the first Saturday reminders, extra penances that we can do to fulfill Our Lady's message. We kind of went back, went old school and said, look at 1917, what kind of prayers and penances were being done back then when Our Lady asked for penance, penance, penance. Right? That's what the angel says with the flaming sword and the third vision. And so we built up our calendar that way. So it really is unique. It's very much a spiritual resource in addition to a calendar. And it really is unique. I don't know of any other calendar like it, in addition to beautiful imagery and some great quotes from the message of Fatima for each month. So I highly encourage you to get it and to share it with others. Get it in time for Thanksgiving or Christmas so you can give them as gifts. 
Uh, again, you can donate online. You, there's a button at the end of the show. You can go to our website, www.fatima.org. And I guess now we will go ahead and open it up to questions. Uh, these might form future episodes. Uh, but again, just really want to thank the men of Louisiana at Our Lady of Mount Carmel, Traditional at Mass Men's Society. And I really want to thank Father Rodriguez. We all greatly appreciate uh, the efforts of the, the men's group and Father Rodriguez has put into making this presentation work so that we can all be more informed about this heresy of Americanism that is certainly gripping our church today and that we have to resist. So thank you again, and may God bless you. This presentation has been brought to you by the Fatima Center. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved. For more resources regarding the spiritual life, the Catholic faith, and the message of Fatima, and to support this vital apostolate with a donation, please visit our website, Fatima.org, or call us at 1-800-263-8160. For the glory of God, the honor of Our Lady, and the salvation of many souls, please share the Fatima message with everyone you know. And may Our Lady reward you. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us.